Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Luke chapter 16, uh, verse 10. In fact, I know that I told you in the New Living Translation, but can, can we put it up there in the New King James Version for uh, this morning? I, I like how it reads on that one as well. New King James Version, uh, Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. It says this. Do we have that on our screens yet? There we go. Okay. Let's read this together. Why don't you just look on your screens and let's read it. It says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Continue. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And one more verse. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what's your own? Read that last one again. If you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what's your own? Let me read it out of the New Living Translation now. It says, if you are, I'll read it to you. If you are faithful in little things, you'll also be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you'll also, or you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Well, I don't need to, it doesn't matter right now. It matters when I get there. No, no, no. However you are right now is the way it'll be later too. Uh, he says, and if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Now, by the way, that's in red so we know Jesus said it. Lord, I pray as we open your word today that you'd speak to us. Lord, I pray that I give you my heart, my mind, my mouth, and I pray that you'd speak through me as of the oracles of God. I pray that you'd custom tailor this word to every person's heart so that they can receive it as from you, the teacher of the church, the Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you're faithful in this season then in the smaller things, you'll also be faithful in bigger things. I don't know about you. Let me tell you something about me that could be a strength and it could also be a weakness. I like to always know what's next in life. Like every time I'm in something, I'm like, okay, what's after this? What's next? You know, what, what's next? What's, what's the next season? When is this season over? What, what are we going to get through? How are we going to get through this? How are we going to go down to what's next? And, and, and my mind is... It's not that I don't enjoy where I am, but I always, I want, I want, I want to move forward. I want to, I want to progress. I don't want, I don't like to be apathetic. I don't like to be, in fact, I like to finish things. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it'll be late at night and I'll pull the laundry out and fold the clothes. And Tiffany goes, why are you folding the clothes? Because the clothes need to be folded. I don't want to wake up with clothes. And she goes, okay. She just, you know, helps me fold the clothes most of the time. And so... I'm just kidding with you, baby. I love you so much. Okay. (laughs) Boy, this isn't a picking on Tiffany day. That's not a good day. Okay. Next time she said she preaches. Okay. Uh, Okay. We'll just move forward with that. Thank you. I love you. Hey, but... uh, but I don't like to leave things undone. If I'm in the middle of a project and I, and I have just a few minutes left, I like to finish that and move on to the next thing. Move on to the next thing. Because my mind is on the next 
uh, thing. I like to finish the now so that I can get to the next. Do you, can you relate? Anybody relate to that? You like to finish. And that's a good thing most of the time. Let me tell you why that's a difficult thing because sometimes we don't enjoy the season we're in and the moment we're in and realize that God has a purpose for today. So don't, don't be so antsy to get out of the moment to get out of the position, to get out of the, you know, you're, maybe you're in a job, maybe you're in a relationship, maybe you're in a, a something, and there is a purpose right now that you're learning today. Don't just be so antsy to get to tomorrow. Why? Because there's something about today. There's a, there's a time for every purpose and every season under the heaven. Jesus says, if you're faithful in what's least, you'll also be faithful in what's much. And if you're not faithful, you'll also not be faithful in the next season. So the key to this season is to learn faithfulness in this season. See, we always want to get to next season and then I'll be faithful and then I'll do better. But, uh, but that's not the thing. Listen, the main thing that I want you to know today is this. That the key to the next season is this season. I said the key to the next season is this, oh, I don't want to hear that. I want to get done with this season so I can get to the next season. No, no, no. The key to the next season is this season. Your faithfulness in this season determines your success in the next season. And your unfaithfulness in this season will determine your lack of success. In fact, here's something you learn about God. God doesn't mind you repeating the same thing over and over again. I don't know if you've ever seen Elf, you know, that, that, that the Elf show where he's sitting in that desk, and he's big, and he's sitting in that little desk. He's sitting in that little bitty, like, second grader desk, and everybody laughs because you go, look at this big man on the desk. Do you know that's how God will sit you back down? If you're in first grade with the Lord, and you don't pass the test, you know what he does? You repeat the first grade. And some people, it's been first grade, and they're supposed to be in the fifth grade, but they're still in first grade desks. And they're saying, why am I being held back? People are overlooking me. No, you're not ready. Not ready. If you're still sitting in first grade desk, you're not ready for second grade yet. No, I'm ready for sixth grade. No, you're not. Because you get in there and you, in fact, if you start faking it in first and second grade and third grade, at some point that faking it catches up to you. You, you ever done that in a class? I've done that in a class. You, 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 you haven't paid attention for the first maybe two or three weeks, and then you're like, ah, no, this isn't no, any big deal. And then you get about a month into it in yeah. class, and all of a sudden you think, man, I don't even know what he's talking about. I just checked out one too many days. I have to go back and try to catch up, and sometimes you never catch back up. Do you know the Lord doesn't allow you to do that? The Lord won't advance you farther than you can, he can sustain you. Like they say, the Lord won't allow your gifts to go farther than your character. Why? Because your gifts, your gifts will go out there and you'll, you'll see people that will be elevated because of their gifts and their character isn't there and they end up falling and you go, they're so gifted and talented and love God and what is it? How does that work out? Well, because they went, far, they advanced themselves in grades farther than the Lord advanced them. So what's important? It's important for us to be 
where God's called us to be. Your faithfulness in this, deter- this season determines your success in the next season. So here's, here's just four things I want to go over. One thing I want to go over is just uh, uh, what Jesus said about it, which we already did, but I just want to touch on some, and then how that relates to my life, and then two barriers that you need to overcome, and then where to get started, okay? So here's what Jesus said. We just read it. Jesus said, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in what's much. The way that you are in this season will determine the way things are going to be in the next season. In some ways, this season is a test for the next. So if you just want to get past this season, well, the test just gets bigger. You want, you want to pass this season. You want to be faithful in this season. He says, if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest in the greater responsibilities. Listen, if you lack integrity in this season, if you're at work and you're just stealing a, a pen, so to speak, and putting it in your pocket and a few this and a few that, and you go home and you go, ah, it's no big deal. Later on, it'll be something bigger. If, you, if you're the person who, at work, you're the one who shows up late and, and leaves early and you just check your box so that you can get your paycheck and that kind of thing, when you own your own company, if you do, that's the way you'll be with that. No, no, because it'll be my. No, Jesus said you would. Jesus said the same way you are in this season with other people's stuff, it determines with how you'll be with, with your own, if you ever get it. <laughs> Amen. Uh, he says, if you're untrustworthy with the worldly wealth, who will trust you with, your own, with, your, with the riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with your own? See, we start out in life as babies as being stewards of things that are not our own. Right? We say, where do you live? Well, that's my house over here. Well, really, it's not your house. It's your parents' house, right? Uh, that's my car o- over there, and that's, and that's my dog. Well, it's my dog. It is. Let me ask you, it's your dog? How much is dog food? Uh, how much does dog food cost? Oh, I don't, I don't know. It's not your dog. <laughs> it's not your dog until you pay for the dog food, until you know. See, we're, you're just, as a kid, you're allowed to steward other people's stuff. And then when you grow up and you're learning dependency and then independency, going from dependency to inter- independency, eventually transferring over to interdependency, right? You're becoming dependent. Uh, you, you are dependent. You're getting to be independent. And you start owning a few things. But really, a lot of your life, you're working for someone else. You're, you're helping someone else. You're partnering with someone else. And it's, it really, it could seem like, oh, I don't want to work for the man. No, no, no. That's giving you an opportunity to, to test your faithfulness. Yeah. It's giving you an opportunity to see how you do w- when you're working with someone else's stuff. When you're working with someone else's ministry, when you're working with someone else's job or their car or, you know, if you go wreck the boss's car, you think the boss is going to buy you a car? No. It's important to be faithful with the stuff that we have. So how does this relate to my life? Well, we've all been entrusted with something now. Every one of us in this room have been entrusted with something. We all have graces. We all have gifts. We all have a calling. We all have a destiny and a future and something that God has ultimately called you to. None of us in this room have arrived at the final destination. All of us are moving toward things that God has called us to move toward. You haven't arrived yet at the place he's called you to yet. But I'll tell you, all of us are at the place where we are now. All of us have limited resources. Nobody has endless resources except the Lord has endless resources. 
All of us have responsibilities, stewardship, timelines, something to work with. We all have something to work with. We all have ways that we're learning. Let me encourage you, be faithful with where you are now, with what you have now, with what the Lord's given you right now, and the Lord can trust you with more. Jesus always starts with our current situation. I said, Jesus always, Jesus is not, well, I'm just waiting for the Lord. Do you know that you're waiting for the Lord, but the Lord's waiting for you most of the time. Jesus always starts with the current situation. Jesus was out ministering all day long, and he saw the people hungry, and what did he do? He looked at his disciples. He said, you give them something to eat. I could imagine them looking and saying, we're disciples. We're ministers. We follow you. We're not cooks. We're not bakers. We're not food servers. We're tired. It's the end of the day. Lord, we don't have the money in, you know, to, to go, should we go buy 20,000 or 10,000 people, you know, 5,000 men plus women and children, should we go buy all this stuff? And the Lord said, you give them something to eat. See, the Lord, the Lord will always test you with where you are right now. And it'll always seem like it won't work, it's not enough. What did he do? He said, what do you have? And I think that's something important for all of us to know today. By the way, if you're not a note taker, this would be a good message to just take a few notes. Listen, what do you have? The Lord never asks you for what you don't have. The Lord never looks at you and says, oh, you don't have enough. I guess I won't ask you. No, he looks at you and he says, well, what do you have? He'll always want you to use what you do have. What influence do you have? What ability do you have? What experience do you have? What energy can you put into the day and do you have? What did he say? He said, what do you have? Bring it to me. He blessed it and broke it and he distributed it to his disciples. Jesus always starts with our current situation. We're responsible for our current situation. We're responsible for our own resources. Let me give you an example here. In ministry, maybe you're called to be a minister. Maybe you're called to lead other people, and do great things for God. Here's a big question I would ask. What are you doing with your ministry right now? Well, I'm waiting. Waiting for what? I'm waiting until someone else recognizes me. How will they ever know to recognize you if you're not walking in it now? The Bible says, you know, in one case, it says he who desires to be a bishop, this is how you ought to walk. Didn't just say when you become one. It says this is when you desire it. Start walking it. When God, Paul wrote in multiple places in the, in, the, in the epistles, in the letters, he said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus. If you know you're called on the inside, start walking in your calling. Now, eventually someone will notice that you're walking in your calling and they'll place you in a position to begin to do that. But until then, you're not waiting on people. Start walk. If you're a teacher, start being a teacher. If you're a server, start being a server. If you're an encourager, start encouraging and exhorting, right? If you're uh, uh, working the prophetic, start ministering to people, encouraging them, loving them, praying for them. We, we should start walking in the calling that God's called us to. Um, most of my life, most of my life I've served under other ministers, and been able to uh, faithfully, been able to be faithful, been able to be joyful, been able to enjoy it, been able to find my lane and enjoy right where I was most of my life. I did it as under the Lord and I didn't do it waiting on something else. In fact, I didn't want to do something else. I just wanted to serve the Lord. 
And most of my life, I found the joy in serving another man's ministry and being able to get under someone that God's called me to and just say, however I can serve. It's not about my position. It's not about, well, here's what I feel called to. Well, then go do it. If you feel called to do it, go do it. But if God has called you into something, if you're not faithful in what's someone else's, See, God hasn't called independent people all around to have independent things. Well, I feel called to this. I feel called to that. I feel called to He's called the body. Could you? He didn't call the body of parts. Right? He's not called the head to the body of parts. He's called the head to the body. The body works together. And the Lord puts parts together. And we have to know what body and where he's called you to be. And who he's called you to run with and who he's called you to serve with and who he's called you to, to walk with and be able to say, what part can I play? That's called faithfulness. Somebody say amen today. Well, I don't know if that's ultimately my, we, none of us know if that's ultimately what we're supposed to be doing. But we do have to say, God, where have you called me? And jump in and be faithful at it. Um, are you faithful in, in the ministry that you don't lead? That's a big question. Are you faithful in the ministry you don't lead? What if he's called you to be a business owner? He's called you to be a business owner. Well, I don't, I don't work for anybody. I run my own business. Well, if he's called you to own a business, how are you serving the business you're in now? Do you come late, leave early, do things halfway? It's <laughs> a Christian way to put it. Nobody saw, so what does it matter? Well, the Lord saw. The Lord saw. The Lord saw how you did it and when you came and how much heart you put into it. And the Lord's the one. You'll treat your business the same way. Finances. Finances. Well, um, you know, God's called me to generosity when I get money. Do you know generosity could happen at any level? You could have five bucks in your pocket and be generous with that five bucks. Or you can have five million dollars and be generous with that five million. The amount, that's why, by the way, when, when the Bible talks about tithing, which this is not a tithing message, but when he talks about tithing, which he considers his, it's 10% across the board. If you can't be faithful of 10% of five bucks, how are you going to be faithful of 10% of five million? It's 10%. God doesn't run it like the American economy with tax brackets and tax shelters and tithe shelters and all those kinds of things. What does he do? No, he says you need to be faithful for whatever you have right now. We're all in a position and in a place to serve God with where we are right now. And he says if you'll be faithful with that, right? He's already, it's getting quiet in this church today. Okay. See, he's already blessed you with something. He's already blessed you with something. How are you being faithful in your finances right now? How are you giving with what's small right now, tithing with what's small right now? You can never start your life in the future. You can never start your faithfulness in the future. It always starts today. It always starts with what you have right now. Marriage. Are you called? Well, I'm called to be a husband or I'm called to be a wife. Well... Let me ask you this. How are you doing with your faithfulness and commitment to the Lord right now? See, I, when, when I was dating Tiffany, I remember I was so busy. I was, I was in school. 
Um, I was getting a graduate degree. I worked full-time at the college. I worked full-time at the church. I mean, I didn't have many hours, but somehow I found time for her. <laughs> I mean, I had all the time. When do you want to meet? How are we going to work it out? Why? Because I was in love with her. But you know, before that, uh, I remember a time where I came to the Lord and said, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord showed me the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to read it to you, 1 Corinthians 7, 32. It says, he who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Well, if you're believing that you're supposed to be a husband or you're supposed to be a wife, how are you doing with your relationship with caring for the Lord and his body, the church, and his people? Because if you can't care for the Lord and how you may please the Lord, how is he going to trust you with a wife of your own? Right? Yeah. That's what he said. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So if you're not married, your primary, your primary care and love and affection and relationship is with the Lord and his body. Amen. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, also, are you ready to be a husband or a wife? Are you ready to be a husband or a wife? If you this week, if the Lord said this Friday, this Friday coming up, you're going to meet your spouse, would you be ready? What would you do different? Well, I'd, first of all, I'd clean up, right? I'd, I'd dress, maybe, I'd, maybe I'd fast this week and lose a few pounds. Maybe I'd, maybe I'd get my finances in order. Maybe I'd do this. Maybe I'd do that. Well, then are you really ready? Because part of what in James it says, you show me your faith, but I'll show you my faith by my works. If you're really in faith and being prepared, then God is looking for someone and also your spouse is looking for someone who's prepared. Are you prepared? How are you being faithful to the Lord and how are you being faithful with the responsibilities? You can't even support yourself. How are you going to support a wife? Is that mean? I love you. Would you carry yourself differently if you knew your spouse was showing up this week? Would you talk differently? Would you prepare differently? Again, you might clean up. You might dress up. You might sober up. Why? Because this is the week. Well, when you start walking in faith and being faithful in this season without your spouse, maybe your spouse will show up and be ready for you. Your future spouse is not looking for what you could be. Your future spouse is looking for who you are today. Nobody wants to marry a project. Come on, somebody. Nobody wants to marry a project. Right? <laughs> Work on the project before you meet them. <laughs> Creative, you know, I talk to people, I've been around creatives all my life. Oh, I like to write songs and record songs. Oh, I like, I'm going to write a book one day. Oh, I'm going to write poems. I'm going to write plays. I'm going to write um, curriculum. I'm going to write this. I'm going to write that. You know, well, let me ask you, what are you going to write? Well, I'm going I'm to record this. I'm going to record. What are you writing and recording this week? Well, one day. No, no, no. If you're not doing it today, you probably won't do it tomorrow. If you can't write one page today, how can you write a book tomorrow? How are you doing with the ministry today? I, now, now, the Lord's not looking for the quantity, but the Lord's looking for some action. Right? Well, Lord, I intended to. Intentions, come on. Jump on it. If you're creative and you, God put a big 
plan and thing in your heart start? What are you going to do this week about it? See, the key to next season is this season. You don't want to get out of this season. Why? Because it's going to start over. It's going to repeat itself. Homeowner, I'm called to, I'm going to own my own house one day. Well, how are you doing with your apartment right now? Is it cleaned up? Is it fixed up? Well, I don't own it. I'm not going to fix it. No, no, no. What do you mean you don't own it? It's yours. You live in it. It's yours. As long as you live in it, make sure it's clean and painted and, and together and fixed. Well, I don't care about that. It's not mine. The same way you treat something that's not yours is the same way you'll treat your own. Start, start respecting where you live and what you live in and what will happen. The Lord will re- trust you, entrust you with, well, a car. I'm just believing, oh, man, I want that car. I want that car. You want that car? You can't even afford to put gas in your own car. You know how much uh, uh, maintenance is on that car? I remember, I remember someone, you know, telling me, I want a Rolls Royce. That's what I want. I want a Bentley. That's what I want. I want a bling. I want a Bentley. I said, you know how much a service, a service costs on a Bentley? A what? Exactly. A service costs. An oil change. A service. You know how much that costs on a Bentley? No, no, I don't either, but it, it's, it, it's, probably more, it's probably more than your car is worth. So what's going to happen if you get a Bentley and the oil change is $250? Yeah, and, and what's going to happen? Well, I don't have the money for it, so eventually it's going to break down. It's going to eventually look like the car you're driving right now. So what should you do? You should take the car you have right now and make sure that it works. Do everything you can do to make sure it works. But why? Because God's entrusted you. It doesn't matter if you have, well, all I have is a bike. Clean the bike. Wash the bike. Wipe down the bike. Make sure that the bike, whatever you have, it's not how much you have. By the way, this is not about getting things. It's about stewarding whatever we have now. Because all of us want to get to the next, I want to get past this season and get to the next season. No, you don't. The next season's more. It costs more. You have to be more humble to maintain it. You know what I want? I want a family. You know what a family does to you if you want to lead a family? Well, you have to be humble to lead a family. No, I'm going to be the boss of my family. You may be, have family by title or by genetics, but that's not called a family. You want a family? You have to be humble. That's why I think God allows you to get married first and be humble with that spouse and then usually get one at a time because you're like, okay, I'm a little more humble with two. I'm a little more humble with three. I'm a little more humble with four. And God just knew I couldn't be more humble than having five in the same house. That's the reality. But we always want to take on more. Listen, you don't want to take on more. The key to the next season is this season. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says this. Each one of you should use, read this with me, use whatever gift you have. Say it again. Use whatever gift you have. Say it one more time. Use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It says if anyone speaks, they should speak. As of the very words of God, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised 
through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power and ever, forever. All the gifts are important. Use them to serve others. Our gifts are not to take Instagram pictures and say, look at me and my gift. See how many likes I got on that one. Our gifts are to serve others, to build other people up, to lift other people up, to help, encourage, strengthen, empower, fill people up. And the better you do at loving other people with your gift, the more God can use you. The greatest leader, Jesus said, is the greatest servant. The one who leads the most has the capacity to lead more. Why? Because they've worked up to that capacity. You use your gifts to serve others. God provides the ability. Romans chapter 1 verse 5, I love. Paul wrote to the, uh, to, the, to the Roman church in Rome and he said this, as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. <laughs> in other words, as much as is in me, whatever's inside of me, that's what I'm ready to preach the gospel. Let me ask you, are you waiting for, for more for you to start doing what God's called you to do? Well, if I just had a little more. No, it'll never be enough. Are you using what God's given you right now? I, let's just say what Paul said. As, say it with me. As much as is in me, I give it, right? Freely you've received, freely. He's not giving you stuff to hold on to you till you can get more and more and more and more. And then I'm going to start giving. You won't do it. You won't do it. Like Popeye said, I'm strong to the finish because I eat my spinach. I am what I am and that's all I am. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to quote Popeye this morning, did you? I am what I am and that's all I am. And that's kind of the thing. God asked you to do something. Remember he asked Moses, I want you to go tell, set my people free. And what he said, I, 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 I can't do it, I stutter. And he gave all these excuses. And God eventually took second best scenario and he said, well, I'll call your brother to go with you. God never wanted Aaron to go a long way. He wanted, he called Moses. And sometimes we talk ourselves and God out of what he's called us to do. Let me tell you, God knows what you're good at and what you're bad at. God knows your education. God knows your experience. God knows your abilities, capabilities, and your lack of abilities. And when he's called you, as much as is in you, use it. Put it out there and let God do the rest. Let me, let me tell you two barriers that we have to overcome. Two barriers we have to come overcome. Number one is fear and intimidation. Fear and intimidation. It says in 2 Timothy 1.6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Where is the gift of God? Let me ask you again, where is your gift? It's in you, inside of you. So he says, stir it up. You ever ate some soup that had been sat out on the counter and, you, and before you eat it, it's, it's hot, but it hadn't been stirred up, right? Hadn't, hadn't been stirred up yet? Yeah. Stir up the gift of God which is in you, which was given to you through the laying on of my hands. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I want you to notice fear is a spirit. It's not just a feeling. It's a spirit. The spirit of fear. You ever had the spirit of fear come upon you or come to you? God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It says in the Amplified, that's why I remind you to fan into flame. Fan into flame the gracious gift of God, that inner fire, special endowment, endowment, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Somebody say timidity. 
Somebody say, God has not given me a spirit of timidity. Cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, love, and of sound judgment, personal discipline. Fear and timidity says, I'm not ready yet. I'm not educated enough. I don't have the talents. I'm not equipped. It's the opposite of Joshua and Caleb faith. And by the way, when God was leading the children of Israel out of bondage into the promised land, I want to remind you, God doesn't ever lead you out of something without leading you into something. But many people get out of the bondage and out of sin only to be stuck in the wilderness all of their lives because they can never believe. And out of the million people of the children of Israel, guess how many people went into the promised land? Two. Who was it? It was Joshua and Caleb. God had to let all the generation die off. Why? Because God can't bring you into the promised land unless you can believe that what he's called you to do, that you step out and do it. And how do you believe? Well, James says, I'll show you my work, my faith by my works. You have to step out. You will never get to the next season of your life unless you do something with this season. Just let that sink in for a minute. You will never get to the next season and be successful of your life unless you're faithful in this season right now with what he, but it's very small. Yeah, exactly. It's right where you are. It's right where you can handle. The Lord gives you small things because that's where where you are. Wherever you are is where he gives you. Why am I intimidated? People are intimidated. One is because of age. I'm too young. Others, they say I'm too old. Well, I'm, I'm young. Maybe someone looked down upon you and said, stay in your place. Maybe someone said, you're washed up, you're old. Are you, have you, are you retired yet? And you're like, oh, man, it made me feel horrible that they asked me that. Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, in your purity. He said, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church and encouraging believers and teaching them. Don't neglect the spiritual gift you've received through prophecy that was spoken to you. Give yourself, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone can see your progress. Don't wait until you grow up to use the gifts God's given you right now. If you're 12 years old and you're in this room, I'm speaking to you today. Throw yourself into the scriptures and into the gifts God has given you. Jesus was 12, and what did he tell his parents? Didn't you know? I must be about my father's business. We need to reach a generation, as one said, before they need to be rescued. We need to call young people into their callings at a young age. Don't wait until you're old. Intimidated by race. I'm intimidated because I'm black or I'm white or I'm Hispanic or I'm Asian and I'm an outcast. I'm someone who's been overlooked. I'm someone, and and, and that may very well have been the case, that someone's treated you harshly or told you to sit at the back of the bus, so to speak. But let me tell you, you were born into the family of God. You are one with the Lord. You are an image bearer of Christ. He's created you in his image, in his likeness. And no one should be able to tell you that you're second class in what he's called you to do. 
If the only person you hear that from is the Lord, that's enough. Why? Because you're his son and you're his daughter. Don't let race intimidate you one bit. Well, what if I'm a woman? You know, in a lot of places, women are held down. Let me tell you, I think some people try to be defensive and reactive and they start getting into feminism and women's lib and try to prove a point. But sometimes that could only come because, sometimes that comes because of insecurity. I'm not saying it, it's always the case. But sometimes that comes because, well, I'm, if nobody's going to stand up for me, I'm going to stand up for myself. Listen, don't get into the argument. Be who God's created you to be. There are many women who've changed the world. Step up and be the woman of God God's called you to be. When God spoke to Adam and Eve, he spoke to both of them. And he gave both of them authority. He didn't give the man authority and say, you can give a little bit of your authority to the woman. No, he spoke to both of them and gave them authority over the earth. Let me tell you, women, stand up and be who God's called you to be. The way to combat fear is love. It says in 1 John chapter 4 that there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you have intimidation and you're, you cannot act in this season because of fear and intimidation, here's what you need to work on, your love. Because if you're walking in love, the intimidation and fear will leave. Remember, fear is not the opposite of, faith is not the opposite of fear. Love is the opposite of fear. If you have insecurities and fear and phobias and things that you're walking in, it's because we need to perfect ourselves in love. Because the whole thing about fear and phobias and intimidation is self-preservation. And when you stop trying to preserve self and know who you were, are, and created in the image of God, you can truly love other people and you could give a heck what they think about you. Number two, the second barrier, and there's only two that I'm going to give you, is laziness and apathy. Why can't I step into what God's called me to? One is because of fear and intimidation. Two is because of laziness and apathy. Now, I understand that there's reasons for some people not moving fast. Maybe you're in pain. Maybe you have a struggle that people don't know about. Maybe your energy levels are low. Maybe you have difficulties. Maybe you have things that you're dealing with that nobody knows about. And God knows those things. But can I tell you, everyone can do something. Everyone can do something. Notice Jesus when he talked to his disciples. Or or, I want to remind you, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things. Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even if you're weak, even if you've been through a situation, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Some of you may need to just say that a hundred times this week. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do, I'm not going to let apathy and laziness hold me back. I'm not going to let excuses and being a victim or playing a victim. This happened to me. And some people will tell you what happened to them. And you say, now, when did that happen? It sounds like last week. No, it happened like four years ago. Four years ago, you're still, I mean, it's not that you're not recovering from those things, but you, you should still start to move. Because in the heal, Jesus told the 10 lepers, he said, they said, Jesus, heal us. And he looked at them and said, 
Go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says that as they went, they were healed. A lot of times in the moving of things, healing comes. A lot of times in the moving toward what God's called you to do, healing comes. Not sitting on the couch and waiting for complete healing to move. He didn't say, sit on the couch. You'll be healed. And if it happens, then go show yourself to the priest. That's the way we'd say it. He said, go show yourself to the priest as a sign of faith. We can do something. Notice Jesus always went after it. He looked at his disciples. He said, don't don't say four months and then the harvest will come. Lift up your eyes today. Again, when there was thousands of people, he didn't say, well, I hope they get something to eat. We better let them go early. No, he said, you give them something to eat right now. Jesus was always wanting to meet people's needs right now. The man with the withered hand, he saw on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees are all checking him out and and seeing what he's going to do on the Sabbath day. And Jesus said, hey, come over here. He said, why is your hand like that? That's withered, Lord. And he said, okay, what do you do? Stretch out your hand. And they all looked to see if he was going to He healed him on the Sabbath. He didn't want to wait. The Lord is not a God who's waiting. A lot of times, it's us. It's us. Not saying he doesn't say to wait, but sometimes he's waiting on us. Somebody say amen. We may not be able to do it all now, but we can do something now. So let's combat these two things, fear and intimidation and laziness and apathy. Those two things will hold us back. Let me finish with this. Where to start? Where to start? This is the most important thing. Where to start? Matthew chapter 25. He told these two parables. The first one he talked about that he was coming and there was five, there was 10 virgins. Five had oil, five didn't. The five that didn't, they weren't prepared. They they weren't preparing in the season they were supposed to prepare for. What happened? They got left. And so he comes to the second parable and he says here in Matthew chapter 25 where this landowner comes and he gives one, one talent, one Two talents and one five talents. He says, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. And I want you, I want you to notice these next words. To each according to his ability. Would you say those words with me? To each according to his ability. Say it one more time. To each according to his ability. And immediately went on a journey. It might seem unfair that one only got one, one only got two, and one only got five. But I want to argue with you today, or I want to present this to you today, that they all got the same amount. They all got the amount they could handle. They all got what they could handle. To each according to his ability. See, God's not an unjust God, and you may feel like he just gave you a little. No, he gave you all you could handle. And if you're not using what he gave you right now, he can't entrust you with more. One, two, and five. They were each given what they could handle. What you have now is what you can handle. Where he's placed you now is what you can handle. Start where you are with what you have. I believe God has given everyone. Also, I believe God has given everyone a place to serve at the church. Why? Because the church is not a place. It's not a building. It's not a location. This building could burn down today and we'd still have a church. The building's people. The building is people. That's why we meet in small groups and we meet all over the place. Nate, you can come up and play. I'm I'm wrapping it up here. I believe that God has has given everyone a place at at church to use their gifts. I believe every person uh, God has called to use their gift. Usually, most people who use their gifts a couple times a month, they'll serve. 
you know, in whatever way is possible, in whatever way, capacity they have, time schedule they have. By the way, when Jesus told his disciples, follow him, follow him, we don't read anywhere where he said, follow me, what's your schedule? Follow me, when do you get off work? Follow me, when's your free night? Follow me, what, what days do you have? What, what, what times do you have? Because I want to work it all around. I, there's 12 of you, so the schedule, I have to have someone work this all out. No, he just said, follow me. God doesn't ever ask how he can fit in your schedule. Never. Never ask me. He said, I want your schedule to fit around me. That's just, I'm not... I'm just telling you what I noticed. I encourage everybody uh, because, again, the church is, uh, somebody was telling me the other day that doesn't come here to church, they were working on something, they said, I don't believe in organized religion. I said, I don't either. He said, it's man-made. I said, a lot of it is. But Jesus came up with the church. And he actually owns the church. He said, the church is my body. My body. And uh, I believe that God's given everyone a place at church to be able to use their gifts. Jump in. Find a team. Go serve. Some people have gifts of administration, some with kids, some with youth, some with production, some with maintenance, some with repairs, some with leadership, some with welcome teams. Jump in. Find a place you could serve the body of Christ. Find in, jump in and get under somebody. I like to be under, under people. Why? Because I like to, to tell myself and the Lord that I don't have to lead things. Really, we all have a leader. We all have a, uh, a leader and we all have the chief shepherd, the Lord. So what's the main point today as I wrap this up? The main point is this. The key to the next season is this season. The key to the next season is this season. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, don't despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. The Lord wants something to begin in you today. Some have been, they haven't been activated today. I remember there was a tool that I found in, in home, home in my garage, little workshop, and I pulled it out and it was a battery operated tool. And I thought, does this thing work again? And I turned it on and it didn't work. And I had to take out the batteries. It wasn't a high-powered tool, like for real men in here, okay? But it was like my kind of tool, okay? Took out the batteries, and I had to take some, uh, some, uh, some of that gray stuff. I don't know what it's called, the Brillo pad or no. Steel wool. And clean off the contacts, put in some fresh batteries, and I took it, and it worked, it worked again. You know, sometimes people have been out of commission for a while. And they just need to take those old batteries and throw them away and take some of that steel wool, clean the contacts of their heart again, listen to the Lord again, pray about it. Maybe you've been hurt by a church or you've been hurt by people before. I get it. I've been hurt before. But you got to clean it off. Why? Because God's called you to something. God's called you to be a part of something. Don't despise the day of small things. For the Lord rejoices when the work begins. Don't rush through this season. Ecclesiastes 3 again says there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. I'm going to tell you one more story. Many years ago, 
for many years, I was a worship leader, and I've led worship. I still consider myself a worship leader because I lead myself in worship all the time, every day. But I was a worship leader for 20, 25 years, maybe more. And uh, I felt very comfortable doing it, sitting behind a keyboard and, uh, or a guitar, leading myself, leading other people in worship. I never aspired to be a senior pastor. In fact, Tiffany and I, when we got married, we talked about kind of our goals and dreams and things like that and what, what things the Lord was putting in our hearts. And we both said, well, we're not going to be, you know, ever leading a church. I just told her, I, I won't do it. I don't I don't want to do it. I don't feel like that's the best position to do. The best position to me was to be under somebody because then they get the heat and I can just, I can just like serve and work hard. I love working hard. I can just serve and make things move forward, right? I don't need to be the, the leader of the thing. But I remember that um, um, I kept getting asked to lead different things. Would you lead this? Would you lead that? And for a little while, I, you know, I actually had to go to my senior pastor, who was my brother, the time and I had to go to him and say, I don't know why it is, but uh, every time you ask me to lead something, I'm frustrated at you. And he's like, well, why? I'm asking you to step up and lead something. And I'm like, I don't know why, because I want to lead worship. I just I feel called just to be with the Lord and lead worship and do what I'm doing. And I almost feel like you're devaluing my ministry. Like, isn't this important enough? You're asking me to lead departments and teams and eventually... Uh, he said, well, if you don't want me to do it, and I said, well, no, I told you, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever. I don't care if you tell me to take out the trash every day, and that's what you call me to do. I love doing it. Clean toilets. I've done it for years. I've got clean more toilets than most people. Cleaned so many toilets, vacuumed so many rooms, cleaned so many floors, got under, got under so many chairs and cleaned every single crack and crevice. I worked under a pastor for a number of years who was... Um, what you'd call OCD today. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it was the best experience of my life. Why? Because it, it drew my, my, my mind and my heart to detail. And I just thanked the Lord for it. But I remember eventually my pastor asked me, hey, would you be our campus pastor over our main congregation? We had about 3,000, 3,500 people or so that was in attendance on weekends maybe a little bit more, I don't know, but uh, that was in weekends and there was a staff of 50 plus people or so. He said, would you be the lead pastor of the main campus? And I was like, well, I'm gonna have to step out of worship. If you want me to do that, I'll do it. But to me, it was like asking me to do something like, would you go serve and be our kids pastor or something? Sure, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I remember thinking, Lord, why in the world do you want me to do this? I told you I never wanted to do that. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, Tiffany and I are praying and the Lord said, I want you to go out and plant a church. I said, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that. In fact, I, I, I have said before, if I ever do pastor a church, I'm going to find a healthy church that, that has a long-term senior pastor who's retired, everybody loves him, and now I'm going to step in and just enjoy that, but I'll never plant a church. Tell you what though, when I got into this, I remember telling the Lord <laughs> probably a hundred times or more, I'm not ready. I told you I don't want to do this. And the Lord looked back at my last season, the season before, 
the season before, the season before, the season before, the season before. Times that I said, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing, but God took every season and had me serve in some capacity so that I would understand how it worked. Had me oversee finances of a large church. Had me oversee uh, departments and, 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 and young adults and youth and, and kids and small groups and all these things and discipleship programs and teach in all these capacities at, 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 at other places so that when I got into a position, I didn't even know, but the Lord was educating me let me tell you, you never know why God asked you to do something. But God has a divine setup. God has a divine reason for calling you into things right where you are today. The key to the next season is this season. Be faithful in this season because next season's right around the corner. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us today? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak to every person in this room today. Would you open your hearts to the Lord? pray that you'd speak to every person in this room today, even through a knowing in their hearts of what their next step is. As we close this series, why am I here? I pray that no one would feel lost. I pray that no one would feel unloved, but that you would affirm to every person in this room today love them, you've called them, you've equipped them, you've gifted them and that you'll never leave them or forsake them I commit myself to you today take your hands and open them up to the Lord, say God I give you my hands say God I give you my mind I give you my thoughts I give you my eyes, I give you my ears I give you my feet I present myself to you fresh and new Show me what my next steps are. I trust in you with all of my heart. And I don't lean on my head or my own understanding, which is very limited. But in all of my ways, I acknowledge you. And you direct my steps. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.